you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. tonight into the word of the Lord, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, um, I'm going to have a lengthy reading, I'm also going to be reading 2 Timothy chapter 3 um, into your hearing tonight, so um, I told Brother Brandon a few moments ago that I kind of got into something today in my study and preparation, and I had thought initially that I was going to just have a one lesson, um, one lesson tonight, and not go into series. And as I began to watch this unfold over the day in my studies between uh, an array of phone calls today, um, it seemed that it just got broader and broader and broader until we got to here. And uh, so we'll just see how far we get tonight. And most likely, we will come back next Wednesday and pick up wherever we leave off and uh, move on into next Wednesday night. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm going to be talking to you tonight about how the end-time church will face the future. How the end-time church will face the future. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse number 1 Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter from us as the day of Christ is at hand. Now understand the timing that the apostle is writing this letter to the church in Thessaloniki. Verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a fallen away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let unto he be taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked be revealed whom the Lord 
Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. He shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth. There is a mouthful right there. Because they receive not a love for the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusions that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1, this, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. How the end time church will face the future. Before we get into this tonight, you don't have to stand, but right where you are, would you take just a moment, and I want to pray that the Holy Ghost bathe our hearts and our minds to receive what God is wanting to speak to the church tonight. Would you pray with me right now? Father, we need your word. And God, we delight in the law of the Lord tonight. And Lord, I pray that as I speak, Lord, that your spirit may guide my words, that it may quicken my thoughts and inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Lord, bathe every heart in your word tonight. Lord, let the love of Christ abound. Let the love of truth settle in our hearts, O Lord, that we may seek you and to do your will and your way. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. It goes without saying that we, and when I say we, the church, not, not this church, I'm talking about the church as a body of believers, nationwide, worldwide, the worldwide church, is facing some very challenging times. And the days ahead of us will be continually darker. Now, I don't intend to leave you hopeless, but when we begin talking about the end time, there are some signposts and some things that we that we must understand. Many have said it, and I believe it bears repeating, that the, 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 the world that the church is facing in these last days is truly hostile to Christianity. The Bible in of itself is becoming less and less important to the world in their mind. They want what feels good. They want what, uh, they, they love emotionalism. Nothing wrong with it. I love emotionalism as well. I love to be in services that move me emotionally. I, I, I love it when the word of God touches my heart and I weep. I love, I love the shout when we, the, the, the spirit of the Lord moves among us and we shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. I love the dance when we just feel like just getting up and dancing before the Lord with all of our might. All of these things uh, that we do, I, I am not speaking against them uh, whatsoever. But I must tell you that it is the Word of God that is going to save us in the end. 
Without the Word of God, not much is going to happen in our lives. We can't serve God based on feeling and emotions. We must have the Word of God hidden away in our heart. And as time marches on, the church is going to deal with a world that is increasingly more hostile. And so don't be surprised by these things. Uh, I'm not teaching a gloom and doom doctrine tonight. Don't anybody get nervous. Don't anybody get worried. I didn't come tonight to predict the end of the world. I didn't come tonight to talk about I know the day, the hour, and the time of the coming of the Lord. The apostle preached this and penned this uh, close to 2,000 years ago. And so put that in perspective of the things that he spoke then and to understand that as we move progressively uh, faster toward the coming of the Lord, the days are getting darker and so the light must shine brighter. And so in these end times, as we, as we look at the church and what the church is dealing with, even in the world that we are in today, we uh, are constantly facing the spirit of Antichrist. Uh, don't be shocked by that term. Uh, I'm going to try to explain it tonight. But the church is constantly battling the spirit of Antichrist. Uh, we are, we are living in the last days. And the Bible said in the last days, perilous times will come. In the last days, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1, this know also that in the last day, perilous times shall come. The news is full of war, terrorism, scandal, earthquakes, hurricanes, floods, fires, destruction, murder, hate, unnatural affections, divorce. All of these things that the Bible speaks about that will become more and more prevalent in society and more and more prevalent in and around the church. And that will push back against the church in the end times. In all of this, the Bible teaches that there are two contradicting things that will happen in the end time. And you can count on these things. This is nothing revolutionary. Hopefully I'll get to some new ideas and new thoughts for some of you tonight. But if you've been around the church, uh, any in your life and studied the word, it is no surprise to you when we talk about one of the signposts of the end time is an end time revival, an end time harvest of souls that the Bible talks about in the end time. There will be uh, an end time revival and at the same time there will be a great falling away. Now two complete um, contradicting things that are going to happen and it seems that they are going to happen uh, simultaneously. It will be uh, not that there's going to be a season of falling away and then there's going to be a season of revival. But in the midst of the end time revival and harvest, as hungry souls be 
begin to come in and revival is coming, there will be those that are going to fall away from truth. They will remove the old landmarks that have been established and they will walk away from truth and they will walk away from a genuine, true love for the things of God. In these last days, I, I don't want, I, I don't want to, to have less of God. I want to have more of God. In these last days, I don't want to be less spiritual to try to fit in with society because society is becoming darker and darker. I want to become more spiritual than I've ever been. And so the church must be prepared for both ends of the spectrum. We must guard against being part of the falling away. Somebody ought to say amen. And when we see a brother or sister who has fallen, we ought to do everything we can to, to reach to them and to bring them back into the truth of God. For it is eternity, heaven, and hell. And uh, we, we, we've got to do everything within our power, but we can at the same time. And we must not be led astray because we fear that we may be misunderstood. There must be a boldness in this empire. There must be a boldness that we stand strong and firm in this end time. And then the church must be prepared for an end time harvest and revival. Last night, I met with some of our leaders and, and we were talking about uh, where we're going, particularly with their ministry and what the future is looking like. And we laid out some plans and listened to some plans and some thoughts of where we are going. And we were just in conversation for most of the time. And my faith became strong, and I, I said to them, we are in a better condition today than what the church has ever been to be able to disciple the, the harvest that, that is coming in in these last days. But it is in order, and it is right, because the church must be ready for the souls that God is bringing into the church. That's why every ministry that we have in this church must be on edge and must be ready and must be planning toward the future and everything we do must not be about me and about mine and about my position but it must be about how can we position ourselves to reach the lost world and to be an open door church for every soul that God draws and that responds to the call and walks in the doors of this church. I won't take the time to go in all the ministries that, that, that I could tonight and I could bring inspiration if I started talking about all the different ministries from those for seniors and, and, and those for children and those for youth and those for the middle agers and all of the different ministries and all the different functions and all the different events and the different ideas of all the things we can do. With that being said, every established Christian must as much as I just warned you about guarding against being part of the fallen away, we must also equip ourselves and ask yourself the question, what am I doing to help prepare this church for the end time harvest of souls? 
Don't get nervous about that. You can say, well, I don't have a position. You don't know what God has around the corner. You don't know what door God is about to open, and you don't know who, what, Somebody may walk in the doors of this building and you think nobody ever would look to me. You don't know what that new convert that walks in the doors is. You don't know what they may gain by watching you in your walk with God. That's why every detail of your walk with God, don't give up in these last days. Get stronger and bolder in the faith. Get stronger in truth. Can Get more connected than you've ever been. Everybody must be part of this end time harvest. And Paul writes to Timothy, who was a young minister, and he writes in his second letter to Timothy, just before Paul's passing and his death, as he has grown Timothy and reached the point that he is about to sign off in this letter just before his death. And the apostle tells his young counterpart, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. What does that look like when I speak the word perilous times? What does that look like for you in your world, in your family? What does that look like for the church? Paul talks a little bit about it, and Paul didn't say that men wouldn't love God in the end time, but one of the things that the apostle said is that they would love pleasure more than they would that the elder is speaking to the younger minister, telling him, be careful that everything we're doing is not feeding the flesh. Because if we're not careful, we'll say, well, we love God, but, and we will cancel out the fact we love God because what we will do is we will put the flesh in front of the things of the Spirit. There is a definite, a defining mark, a mark of distinction that is pointed out regarding this end time. And it talks about this antichrist that is going to come and that the church is going to be dealing with. And he, he talks about it. He, he, he mentions this, this antichrist and he said, uh, that he sitteth in the temple of God. I want you to mark that and, and keep that thought in mind, that he sitteth in the temple of God. The second thing that he says about the Antichrist in our text is that he opposeth everything and he exalteth himself above God and all that is called of God. Now get your brain wrapped around this idea of Scripture. That it will, this, this Antichrist will sit in the temple of God, but while sitting in the presence of God, will oppose God and will exalt himself above all that is called God. This spirit 
spirit of Antichrist will be in, will be present. Now you got to think about this. We're talking about how the how the church is going to move into these end times, into these last days. We must be aware that the apostle said this Antichrist, and he speaks of the Antichrist uh, as a spirit. Now, he speaks of it in two forms. One, he talks about, he talks about the spirit of Antichrist, and then he clearly calls it out and speaks of the man of perdition, or he speaks of the man. So when we talk about the Antichrist in the church, we often, uh, a, lot of, a lot of folks like to debate and talk about these things, who is the Antichrist? I recently had somebody jokingly said to me, uh, two big political figures in the world, and said, who is the Antichrist? And called two names, wanted me to choose who I thought the Antichrist was from one of the two. And I said, I said, both. And they looked at me funny and said, nope, you got to choose one. And I said, both of them are antichrist. I don't know. The man of perdition is going to be revealed, but until he reveals, there is a spirit that is loose in the world. Mm. That spirit that is loose in the world will even come and sit in the temple of God. That same antichrist, anti-God spirit will sit in the house of God and exalt himself above God, above his word, above his... He will exalt himself and say, I don't care what the word of God says. I care about what I think. I don't care about what the word of God says. I don't care what the preacher preaches. I don't care what the church teaches, even though it's biblically based and, 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 and solid found, solidly founded. It doesn't matter. I'm going to do what I want to do. That is the spirit of Antichrist. It's the spirit. The spirit will attempt to overrule God's plan. It will, it will attempt to overrule God's plan. And in order to do so, it will work against God's plan. That may mean it may speak against God's plan. It may take action against God's plan. It will do whatever it can to abort God's plan. It is called the spirit of Antichrist. Now verse 7, this is what we got to get now because you think that pastor's just on a rampage tonight because I got a burr in my saddle last week and I came in tonight just to, just to talk about this spirit of Antichrist in the end time church. But hear me tonight. Because the writer said that spirit is working in the church world in that day. It's even present in that day. So if it was already present in the church world about 2,000 years ago, how much more prevalent is that spirit 
that sits in the temple and exalts itself above God and the things of God, how much more prevalent is it today? Oh, I feel like going in on this spirit right now because that spirit will allow offense to come when the Bible tells us offenses will come. Pay attention. Offenses are going to come. If the enemy can cause you to become offended, you won't hear anybody. All you will hear is the spirit of offense. That's the spirit of antichrist that wants to destroy you, that exalts your feelings over the word of God. It allows position, desire for power, desire for for position and power, desire for for fame, as, as small as it may be, sometimes sometimes I, I start thinking about how petty that I have seen some issues in the church, and I'm not speaking of any issue in this church right now. Please give me the liberty to be able to preach what the Lord has put on my heart tonight. But I have seen people get angry and threaten to leave and even leave a church over who gets the part in a drama or who gets a microphone or who gets an opportunity to preach or who gets to lead in a solo or who gets to sing or who gets to play a musical instrument. All of those things are brought to you compliments of the spirit of Antichrist because the spirit of Christ will prefer your brother over your own self. Because the Spirit of Christ will love your brother. Uh, I feel like going in on that Spirit right now in the last days. That Spirit that tries to manifest itself in the church and work against God and the things of God will lead to our doom. Beware. Don't let it get in our home. Don't let it get in our spirit. Don't let it ride in our car. Offenses will come. But when they come, say, Lord, build a hedge about me. I'm not letting that get in my spirit. I'm not taking that through the night with me. I am going to live in the spirit of forgiveness because that spirit has been working in the church. I didn't say it. The writer in the Word of God declares that it was working in the church in that day, but it also tells us it's going to become more prevalent as we see the day approaching. So here we are in this end time knowing, my Lord, all the offenses. Now, I I, I hate to put it this way because I love to preach encouraging messages. When I preach encouraging messages like I preach Sunday, it makes you want to get up on your feet and, and clap and applaud. And it makes me feel real good about my job. You know, I'm, I'm, man, everybody's happy. I'm back in the pulpit and everybody's pleased with me. And then I come back on Wednesday night and tell you that, hey, this is what I got to tell you. The Word of God tells me that you think offenses have come against you. Get ready. As we see the day approaching, the enemy is going to work double time and triple time. And we must understand and know and already be aware those offenses are not going to go away in the end time because there's an end time harvest. But what is going to happen is the enemy is going to start throwing double time and triple time work toward us to try to offend us, to try to hurt us, to try to cripple us, to try to cause us to become sidetracked instead of us focusing on the harvest. The antidote, first off, the Bible tells us how to deal with the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee. How do you resist? By being steadfast in the faith. 
It's that simple. There's no big recipe. There's I can tell you, you got to pray at three hours a day, and you got to pray it through the nautical hour, and you've got to do all these things. Let me tell you, what you better do is just make sure you're praying. And you better make sure that you're in connection with God every day and that you are preparing your heart and your mind for what God is wanting to do. And I didn't come to discourage anybody, but don't think that the enemy is going to let off. But what the church must do is say, you know what, instead of being offended, I'm going to find a spot where I can give back to the kingdom of God in these last days and in this end time harvest. And it doesn't matter if I'm pushing a broom, a lawnmower, teaching a Bible study or preaching or singing or what. I am going to do whatever my hand finds to do. I am going to do it and refuse to let offense rule my spirit. That spirit is working in the church. And that spirit is after the working of Satan. I'm not calling anybody a devil. I'm telling you that the Bible said that spirit is in the church. Now, I'm going to just be very vulnerable with you because every one of us, every one of us, myself included, deals with the spirit of discouragement. Are there any real folks in this house? Oh, I know you want me to tell you that I'm just happy all the time and blessed all the time and the devil's never fighting me. I'm not going to give him more credit than what he's due, but I am going to tell you that you've got to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. It's not going to come just because you wake up in the morning. Sometimes you've got to say, you know what? Today is discipline day, and tomorrow may be discipline day number two, but I refuse to let the devil have my thoughts, have my mind, have my action, have my spirit. I I am in control because God is on the throne of my life. So I'm not going to let bad attitudes and bad spirits control my tongue, to control my actions. Listen, I, I've lived long enough. I've made a lot of mistakes throughout my life, and I'm sure I've got more to make. But there's some things that I know today I wish I would have known a long time ago. And one of those very things is, is that sometimes we think that just because somebody that shows up to church and they're dressed nice and look nice and drove in in a nice car and go home to a nice home and they have a nice job and you think everything's good, you don't know the devil they're fighting. You don't know the devil they're fighting in their mind. You don't know what they're going through in their home and family. My wife and I walked through some real dark days just a few weeks ago, some very dark days just a few weeks ago, and we didn't share it with anybody. We didn't tell our children. We didn't tell our families. We just walked through it, and we said, you know what? We're trusting God, and if the time comes that we have to speak about it, we'll speak about it, and we'll make it known. Last night I shared a little bit of it to one of our good church leaders, and they said, why? Why didn't you share with us? And I I said, because I didn't want to send everybody into panics thinking, oh my goodness, what in the world is pastor going through? And it abort what God was doing because through that season, we're baptizing people and seeing people get the Holy Ghost uh, on Wednesday night. Revivals are happening. It didn't matter what was going on in my personal life at that moment. I didn't want it to interfere with what God was doing in the church. Now, I'm not putting myself on a pedestal tonight, but sometimes you've got to drag yourself home from work, knowing that you're battling in your spirit, knowing the devil is throwing everything at you that he can, and you've got to say, this is the end time, and this is what the end time church is going to deal with, but I, I am going to stand on the word of God and declare, greater is he that is in me 
Didn't say it's going to be easy, but greater is he that is in me. I'll put my feet on the floor and I'll muster a hallelujah. I will still be faithful through my trial. Because that spirit is after the work of the Son of God. Let me tell you, let me tell you that the greatest battlefield where Satan finds the most victory is the battlefield of your mind. Am I just talking to myself today? Satan will put thoughts in your mind. And we've got to be careful. My wife is so good about reminding me when I speak something. Because, you know, some of us, some of us can find, we can find a cloud in every sunny day. And sometimes I'll have a tendency to see the potential problem coming. Because, see, here's the deal. I usually have a backup plan and a backup plan for my backup plan. And I have notes for those in a meeting that I'm going to have, and I have notes for that meeting, and I'll have a meeting before the meeting. Because i got to be prepared. And so any time that I get caught off guard and I get curveballs thrown at me and I get something, it, it doesn't, oh, man, I can struggle with it. And, and, and if I don't have time to wrap my brain around it, sometimes I can let negativity take over and I start thinking about uh, what, what could happen and, and, and the fallout that could come from this and, and, and who this could affect and, and, and what could happen. And if I ever speak it in front of my wife, as soon as she detects it, as a matter of fact, she's so good now she can read my mind. We've been married a long time, and she'll look at me and she'll say, don't let those thoughts lay in your mind. Get those thoughts out of your mind right now. Nothing negative is going to come out of this. Nothing, there is not going to be a, don't you let that get in your spirit. Sometimes I'll start to speak something. She'll say, stop, stop, stop. Don't verbalize it because the devil can't read your mind. He'll do battle in your mind, but he can hear what you speak. So don't verbalize it. Don't speak it. And then pray it out of your spirit and out of your thoughts. In these last days, the church has got to understand what we are fighting against. Sometimes we get offended at our, at our brother or sister that sits across the church from us, or we get offended at somebody that's in the ministry with us, or we get offended, and it's not even them. It is the satanic spirit that is working against you. And you don't may not even know. They may not have meant anything but not speaking to you. I, I spoke to Brother Scott a few minutes ago. I, I went out. The church has been working toward uh, replacing the old trailer that we've had. It, it kind of saw its best years. And uh, and so we, the, the board has been dealing with trying to get a new trailer ordered. And I went out and was talking uh, to the gentleman uh, trying to, to, to place the order and communicating with the board. And in doing so... Um, the gentleman asked me about Scott. He knows Scott really well, a neighbor of his, and, and uh, is involved with some things in the community with him. And uh, he asked me about Scott, and I asked me how he's doing. And I said, well, I, I guess he's doing okay. And, you know, maybe three months ago or so, I teased him, and I told him the story about me giving him a hard time about, uh, you know, blowing out his leg or 
ACL or something playing ball against the 70-year-old man. He was probably the 70-year-old guy. And uh, I, I said, I gave him a hard time. Oh, he laughed and he laughed. And he said, well, is he doing better? And I said, yeah, I guess so. I don't see him hobbling or uh, don't see him, you know, I, 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 I guess he's okay. And he said, well, you need to check on him. And, uh, and let me know if I need if he needs anything. You 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 let me know. So I didn't think anything about it. We placed the the order. A couple of weeks passed, and we needed a trailer to get down to uh, to NAYC. And he told me, he said your your trailer is not going to be in for till a couple of weeks pass. And he said, come out. I'll have a, a trailer ready for you. You can pick up. And I got out there, and and one of the first things he said, he said, uh, hey, you never got back with me. He said, how's Scott? He said, what do you mean you don't know? I thought you all went to church together. I said, we do, but I don't think I've even spoken to him. I said, I, I saw him in church, but I, I never had an opportunity to speak to him. Now, now, now watch this. Watch this. And then I thought, my goodness, how terrible is that? Because Tom said, well, if you don't check on him, I am going to check on him. And I said, well, it's my job. I might better check on him today. When I go home, you think about that and get to thinking about how the enemy can use. See, sometimes we come to church and we pass and repass and have no idea what a brother or sister is going through. Because in the middle of this, now I'm using Scott because we're good. I'm using him as an example tonight because he was going through a difficulty. And at the same time, I've been kind of going through a difficulty. And I got so focused on myself that I lost sight of everybody else. Because I'm living doctor report to doctor report. Trying to get to the bottom of what's going on. Living from one we're going to try this and look at this and one bad day to the next bad day and I get so focused. And if Scott wasn't who he is, he could have easily gotten offended. When I got to thinking about it, he could have easily gotten offended. Pastor didn't check on me. You see how the enemy works? See, we come in and say, well, I was at church and Brother Dan hadn't come over and talked to me. It's been four weeks since he stopped by to talk to me. And we can get offended over it. And what we may not know is he, his, his, his knee may be hurting. And he's doing good just to get in and find a seat. Am I being too real tonight? See, sometimes we don't know what a brother or sister is going through. And if we're not careful, the devil, this is not, don't get angry at people over the devil's back. See, we get mad at somebody, and then the devil's over here laughing all the way home. He took something that somebody meant nothing by. Somebody was trying to be funny, trying to joke, trying to just, or maybe they just, maybe they were looking. I'm, I'm guilty oftentimes of looking at people, and somebody will go, I'm looking them right in the eye and I'm not even seeing them because my mind is a million miles and I get caught into this trance stare and I'm like oh 
realized I was staring at you. And well, y'all, you ain't getting no kind of you get no kind of information from me with this one. Am I the only one that goes through this with you? And somebody said, I don't know what's the matter with Pastor. He just stared me down tonight and then didn't speak. My brain's broke. I didn't even see you. You don't know where your brother is. But I know who the devil is. And I know what he does. And he gets on the battlefield of our mind and makes us believe that somebody doesn't care that somebody is against us. I saw three brothers over there all huddled up talking. You know what? They huddle up and talk every week. They probably aren't talking about me every week. But if we're not careful, the enemy will make us believe that they're talking about us. Come on, am I in a real world? Am I in a real church here where we can start believing that, you know what? The enemy is brutal. And he will play tricks in our mind and put thoughts in our mind. And he works through the spirit of offense better than anybody that, that in anything. If he can get you offended, he can get you to do all sorts of things. He can get you to act all sorts of ungodly ways. You have got to put that out of your spirit. Get the devil behind you and declare there is no way I am letting anything get between me and God. I refuse not height nor death depth, nor power, nor principality, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any other creature. Nothing's going to separate me from the love of God. Oh, well, that's you and God. But you can't love God unless you love your brother. Because if you say you love God and hate your brother, you are a liar and the truth is not in you. So therefore, our love for our brother and our love for God are united together in covenant between our brother and God. We cannot love God and not love our brother. Here's what the Bible says in verse 10. All of these things happen. Here's why. Here's why destruction comes. Because they love not the truth. They're not here to seek truth. They're here to seek opportunity. They're here to seek a connection with somebody. When people come to church, I learned a long time ago, you never know why people come to church. But there are some sincere folks that come in looking for God looking for hope, looking for help. Sure, there's those that come in with their hand out. Sure, there are those that come in looking for a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Sure, those that are come in because they think it's going to connect them with somebody and they get the job or the, or the increase or the raise. There's people that are going to do all sorts of things. But there are some people that the Spirit of God is drawing unto him that are going to walk in this door and say, I just need Jesus. I sat in my office a few weeks ago with a new couple that started attending this church, and they said, we're not looking for a position, a title. I don't need to do anything. I just need healing in my life, and I want salvation for my family. 
I wanted to get up and make laps, Brother Brandon, in my office because they weren't in saying, well, I'm going to come here, but, you know, this is what I'm expecting out of you, and I'm going to try out the church. They didn't come in saying, I'm trying out your preaching, trying out your worship service, trying out. They didn't come in with that attitude. They came in and just said, I just want Jesus, and I love what I feel here. So though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. So don't get caught up. This is a spiritual thing. And if we can understand, and I'm talking about how that the end time church will face the future. If we don't separate what the, the, the battle that the enemy throws at us on a regular basis, if we don't dissect this and understand this is from the enemy, this is not from God, and this is not about my brother. Well, it feels like it's my brother. The devil makes it feel like it's your brother. But he's in the corner laughing because it is his work to destroy you. The opposite of antichrist, are you ready for this? This is going to really give those that listen online a heyday because they just love to beat us up over this. But let me tell you, the opposite of antichrist is submission to Christ. It is either it is either opposing Christ or submitting to Christ. Submission to God, submission to his word, submission to the preached word and the taught word of God. The key here is submission. Everything, everything about being a disciple is about discipline. Because at the root, at the root of discipline is disciple. A disciple is one that has submitted himself to the discipline. Serving God requires taking up the cross. The scripture nowhere says, if any man wants to be my disciple, let him take up his crown, pick up his microphone, and step into his position. It's not what it says. If any man wants to be my disciple, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Well, this isn't going to make you holler enough. What this is going to do is cause you to be saved in these end, in, in these end times. Because our spirit doesn't like denying ourselves. I'm denying myself the right to be offended. I'm denying myself the right to speak evil against my brother or my sister. I'm denying myself the right to walk around with a chip on my shoulder. You may not be happy about it, but you can control your attitude. I'm just here thinking for a minute, debating on whether I even want to go in. I think I'll go in. I was in a particular, I was in a particular situation a few days ago. 
And in that particular situation, someone misread my demeanor. And in doing so, someone who did not know me disrespected me very, very highly and made a statement and said, you walked in here with a chip on your shoulder. And I stopped and I said, I'm sorry if you believe that I walked in here with a chip on my shoulder. I am not sure what I did or said that caused you to believe that I walked in with a chip on my shoulder. And the fact that I didn't get angry and rebuttal, I'm not exalting myself here, but the fact that I didn't get angry and rebuttal absolutely drove that woman crazy until she had an absolute near nervous breakdown acting out in ways that is unseemly. Listen to me. The devil will send people your way to speak things to try to cause you. Well, if they're going to say that about me, then I'm going to show them what a chip on my shoulder is. No, I have a reputation in this community to withhold. And I am not giving them nor the devil the luxury of stealing my testimony. And while the door is wide open for me to get a chip on my shoulder, I refused to allow a chip to be on my shoulder. And the first thing I did was apologize. And the next day I walked in the highest office that I could walk into and sat down. And I said, first let me begin by saying, if I in any way walked in with a chip on my shoulder to your committee, I apologize and submit myself. said, but I've never seen you with a chip on my shoulder. I said, thank you for saying that, but I've had one as I was preparing for this. But that wasn't one of them. But what the enemy would like to do is call us out. They'll catch us on the enemy. will catch you on a bad day and cause you to lose your testimony and lose your victory. I'm talking about what the enemy's going to do in the end time. If you think the church is not going to come under attack in these end times, get ready. We have not dealt with taxation. Get ready. The church, that's going to be that's coming down the road, coming to a church near you in the near future. We're going to deal with taxation. We're going to deal with things the church has never dealt with. How are we going to deal with it? I watched a very famous online preacher, famous because of his outlandish antics a few weeks ago go berserk before his very large congregation and and, and, and begin to call political parties out and tell people to leave the church and walk out. And I thought, that's really a testimony and really going to win people in these last days. I refuse to let the devil separate me over the kingdom of this world. His kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is not meat and drink. Let me say this. I may have my, and I have a right to vote however I choose to vote, and you have a right to vote however you choose to vote. That's not going to separate us. I'm talking about the end time. We have witnessed it and watched it to where there becomes a divide. Are you vaccinated? Are you not vaccinated? Because if you vaccinated, you done taken the mark of the beast. If you're not vaccinated, then you go into hell because. And here the leadership of the church is going. I've never, I've never tried to pastor a church through. I, I'm just going to, Lord, Jesus, be offense. 
and it was the vaccinated against the unvaccinated. And I had preacher friends call me and say, just rip into me and start telling me all of their ideas one way. And then a few minutes later, another friend called and go exactly the other way. And I thought, my Lord, you know, it wasn't the one on the left or the right. It was the one in the middle that they really wanted to crucify. But in these last days, the church has got to be very careful to understand this is not the kingdom of heaven. That's the kingdom of this world. Political parties are not the kingdom of heaven. You do you, I'll do me. I'm going to stand for righteousness, and it may sneak through in my preaching on occasion. Don't take it personal. But I came here to tell you tonight that the kingdom of heaven is black and white, and it's not meat and drink, but it's love, peace, and joy, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. Oh, I'm telling somebody that in these last days, the enemy's going to come against us and throw everything he can at us. Recognize it for what it is. It is a work of Satan. It is the spirit of Antichrist. It is not of God. It is not about the kingdom of heaven. It is not eternal. It is temporal. I choose God. What side are you on? I'm on his side. opposite of Antichrist is submission to authority. I've got to find another slide or two. I'm out of time. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. See, see, here's the deal. We get offended and start trying to fight it with carnal means, with attitude, talking back, or, or being passive aggressive. Very common in the church. That's that's all of the devil, by the way. Whew, got tired hearing that one. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal means of winning an argument. Hmm. But the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That looks like one thing to me, and that is prayer and spiritual discernment. Listen, if you want to win this battle in these last days, gain a prayer life. Win victory on your knees every day. And then you know what happens? Verse 5, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalteth itself. That's the spirit of Antichrist. Every high thing that exalteth itself above the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought. Oh, yeah, because if they're not brought into captivity, it's the spirit of Antichrist trying to take up root in our mind. Bring it into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The fall of Lucifer that led him to being cast out of heaven was that over submission. The desire for exaltation and the refusal of submission, trying to be equal with God. The spirit of Antichrist is that which exalts itself above God and the things of God. It sits in the temple as God. How does it sit in the temple? It is a spirit that manifests itself in the church. We've got to war against it. We've got to guard against it. 
these are the last days. I've got a whole lot more. I'm on page five of about 15, so we don't we don't still got three weeks to get through this. But we must understand that these these things that we are battling, these things that we are facing, don't expect what God's going to remove all of these in the last days is going to be this massive revival and we're just going to be aisle running and, and all the above. No, it's all going to happen at the same time. It matters where you're going to put your focus. If you put your focus, if you put your focus on the troubles and the trials and all that's going wrong and, and you look toward the negative, that's where you're going to be focused. But the church that is going to rise in the last day is the church that says, you know what, we, we're... We're, we're not ignorant concerning Satan's devices, but we're going to put those things under our feet and get our focus on the harvest in the end time. I'm going to get in the middle of revival and doing everything I can to have revival, to service revival, to bring revival, to promote revival. Is that what you feel tonight? Why don't you stand with me? Get on your feet right now. I want you to commit that to the Lord and just declare it to him. Lord, I want you to help me bring every thought and every imagination into captivity to the will of Christ. The spirit of Antichrist that would like to take up root and thought in my mind, in my heart, in my spirit. I declare that it will not have resonance with me. I will choose the giftings of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, the things of God. Come on, pray that kind of prayer with me right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, lift your voice in prayer right now. Take this moment seriously. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, let us bring it all into captivity. In the name of the Lord Jesus, oh, let the spirit of revival and harvest, let the things that are peace, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are of good report, Lord, let us focus and think on those things. Lord, things that will bring life, things that will bring revival, things that will bring harvest. In the name of the Lord Jesus.